Hello everybody, welcome to Therapy Dog Talk. My name is Sherry, my dog's name is Sunny, and we are training to be an animal assisted counseling team. I am really excited to bring you today's guest who has some really cool experience as a therapy dog team. Hi, Michelle. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You were actually, I think, one of the first people that said you wanted to be on the podcast, and now we're finally having you. Yay! So for those who don't know you, would you like to introduce yourself and your pup? I would love to. My name is Michelle Stern. I am the founder of Pooch Parenting. I'm a dog and child specialist. So I'm a certified professional dog trainer. I'm a dog behavior counselor. I'm a family dog mediator, and I specialize in families who have kids and dogs and families who are adopting or expecting children. So they don't have the kids quite yet, but they're trying to get everybody to live in harmony. And I do therapy work with Pippin at our local hospital. That's awesome. I know your information at Pooch Parenting is very helpful. I have a friend who's expecting their first child soon that's really been loving what you have to share. Today, oh, so. that's so nice to hear that. Thank you so much. I love that. Yeah, of course. So Michelle, how did you find out about the role of therapy dogs? It was something that I've known about for a really long time because I've seen people using their dogs to bring happiness to people, whether they're working with kids or people in nursing homes or hospitals. My very good friend Heidi founded an organization called First Responder Therapy Dogs, of which I'm a part and I, I was kind of with her on the ground floor, she was building that idea. And so Pippin is part of her program. We do our work through our local hospital as a first responder therapy dog. We mainly support the nurses at the hospital, although definitely some patients enjoy us. A lot of other dogs in Heidi's organization are visiting fire stations and dispatchers and police departments, and they go to base camps when there are fires and things of that nature. My dog isn't really suited for that kind of work. He can visit stations, but depending on the energy level of the people there, he may or may not be super into it. And so the hospital is the kind of place that really suits my dog's personality because he gets a lot of choice in terms of the energy level of the people that are around us. And he'll sometimes walk down the hallway of the hospital and choose who he wants to say hi to and who he definitely doesn't. And so I put him in the driver's seat and let him take it from there. Yeah, I think that's really great. That's so, there's two really important things you said there. One is realizing that one environment may not be the best for him to volunteer in, while another one suits him better. Like there's so many options of places for therapy dogs to work or volunteer. And then just letting him be in the driver's seat and let you tell you, like, I enjoy this. I don't enjoy this. Like, I want to say hi to this person. I don't want to say hi to this person. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think one of the hardest parts about being a handler for therapy dogs is trusting your dog even if it's not what you want as a person. As a member of the first responder therapy dogs team, there are a lot of opportunities that I wish I could participate in, you know, different events that are really busy and crazy and have a ton of kids or whatever where we can do education. But I know that's not Pippin's jam. And so I just have to tell the team, sorry, that's not the kind of work that makes him happy and that makes him thrive. And so I just need to pick and choose carefully. And that's hard because it can put me in conflict. And I think that one of the biggest challenges, again, for any therapy dog handler is just really listening to your dog. And even if it's not what you want, right? That 
maybe you're not ready to leave yet or maybe you know you'd rather do certain kinds of work or event but if it's not what brings your dog joy then it's not about us it's more about them yeah did you become a dog trainer before or after you started down the therapy dog route before Mm -hmm. before yeah I've been a dog trainer for many years and I joined Heidi's program after I was already a trainer. You already had that really important foundation of knowing dog behavior and and how to read your dog. Yeah, and I also raised a service puppy for an entire year through an organization that teaches students how to train service dogs. And so I had one of their puppies that was going to enter their program. She didn't ultimately end up making it. Her personality wasn't suited to being calm enough to be a service dog, but I think she would have been a good therapy dog. She had a big energy, you know, she had a (laughs) lot of zest for life and a lot of excitement in her body, which would not have suited somebody who required a calmer service dog, but it probably would be awesome for somebody who wanted to do therapy dog in a fun, fast paced environment, maybe an emergency room or maybe something with children. She would have loved that. I learned a lot from that experience about how to get dogs used to being comfortable in the real world. Because when you're doing therapy work, you know, in the hospital, for example, there's a lot of stuff happening. There's Mm -hmm. equipment and sometimes people being rushed down the hall on a gurney or beeping beeping sounds or funny smells from antiseptic or medicine and teaching them that they just can't eat everything they find on the floor and all of that kind of stuff. So those are all skills that take a long time to build. Yeah, we've had a couple of, um, well, one was a career change guide dog and the other was a retired guide dog on here who have become therapy dogs. And what was interesting was Hallie was talking about with Buddy, the career change guide dog. She had another puppy because she's a puppy raiser for guide dogs. She had another puppy that she said would not have enjoyed being a therapy dog. So it's like, it's not even that every prospect for guide dogs would also be a good prospect for therapy dogs. So there's so many nuances there. A lot of nuance. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, that's great. How did you know that Pippin would enjoy being a therapy dog? That's a good question. I think I was optimistic and I just had to try it and see. We did do a fire station visit with Heidi and that was our first official visit in any capacity as a therapy dog team. And it was very interesting and informative to me to see his body language in different aspects of that visit. Mm-hmm. So we went into a station where there were dispatchers. So the people who were taking the calls from the fire department and then sending out the fire trucks. And he really liked the ladies that were sitting at the desk answering the calls. They had a really nice, warm, loving energy, which he liked. But some of the firefighters were so excited, like adolescent energy, but in a grown up man body. Right. So they were just too much for him. And it was really interesting because as they re and Pippin's a small dog, he's little. And so when that big energy, boisterous energy came and they reached for him, he was like, Oh no, thanks. I don't like that. But then another firefighter came in and I think he understood dogs better. And he just crouched down on the ground and invited Pippin to go say hi to him as opposed to reaching in for Pippin. And it was entirely different. And Pippin Mm -hmm. was like, oh, you get me. You're my guy. And so Pippin went and gave him lots of love. It was a really telling experience for me because I realized, okay, whatever kind of work I do, it needs to be with people who aren't so handsy. And at the hospital, what has evolved over time, we used to spend a lot of time in the infusion department, which is where some people get the chemotherapy and sometimes blood transfusions and things like that. 
everyone there feels pretty terrible. And even just him walking around cheered people up because he's very cute and he could do tricks for them. And he's small enough that if a patient asked for him to go on their bed, he can do that. And so Pippin chose which people he wanted to spend time with. And since then, we've spent a ton of time in the labor and delivery department because he has fallen in love with the whole nursing department there. Uh -huh. He walks in, you hear squeals of joy down the hallway. People get so excited and he runs down the hall wagging his tail. And he actually, even within the group of nurses, he has about three of them that he loves the most. And he lets them reach in and be more physical with him. The other ones, he still kind of watches and waits, but they're all learning where on his body he prefers to be pet. So it's really cute because now I'll see some of them reaching for his bum and like over the top of his tail and they're like, ooh, and they get in there and he's like, oh yes, this is amazing. <laughs> and then some of them know like where he likes it right behind his ear and he leans in like this. And some of them like to ask him to do tricks. So he now feels like that department is his home. We get off the elevator. He heads that way. He knows where to go. He's perked up and tail high and very excited. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting to watch that evolution. There are people that want to see him and he kind of blows them off. And you have to be sensitive and help people not have their feelings hurt when right. he's not interested in them, but turning it into a teachable moment, right? That's one thing that I try really hard to do is sort of say, he knows we're on our way somewhere. He uh, knows he's being expected. So sorry, we're heading over there. Or he doesn't feel like saying hi right now. Sorry. Or things like that. I do like to say to some people, he said, no, thank you. Uh -huh. You know, and then I teach people what that looks like. Yeah. Because a lot of dog bites can be prevented if people don't reach for dogs without right. their consent. Yeah, we actually are learning a lot this week in the Animal Assisted Counseling Academy about how to teach people how to greet your dog. Talking a lot about animal welfare, and we watched the Stop the 77 video, which I'm sure you're talking about. It tells the story, essentially, of a dog and child living together, and that 77% yeah of dog bites to children are by a known dog. A lot of people think my own dog would never do that, but of dog bites to kids, 70% of them are dogs that are yours or your grandparents yeah. or your neighbors. Yeah, the reality is how we greet each other is oftentimes how we try to greet a dog and that's not how dogs like to be greeted. Yeah, they don't <laughs> like hugs so much. No. What surprised you the most in your training journey to therapy dog with Pippin? I think I assumed he might like different things than he does, but now that he is officially an adult dog, he's just over two and a half, he has matured into making his own decisions and I just have to respect those. So I think what's a pleasant surprise is just how clearly he tells me what he yeah. wants and what he doesn't want. I love that. What do you enjoy most about being a therapy dog team with Pippin? I love seeing the joy that he brings to people. It makes my day. And I joke with them. I said, oh, I'm here for selfish reasons. I'm here because this does as much for me as it does for you. I see yeah. that he lights people up. My last visit, we were brought in by a nurse into the room of a woman who had received an epidural and was in labor, but she wanted to see the dog, which surprised me. She wasn't in active labor. She wasn't in pain at that moment, thank goodness. But the fact that he went in there and was happy to see her and gave 
gave her a little bit of a distraction in the most exciting moment of her entire life. I guess she's about to have a human baby. I mean, being a part of those families, you know, sometimes tragic and sometimes beautiful moments is like, oh my gosh, you guys invited me into this vulnerable time. But yeah. it's fun to support the nursing staff and the doctors because they're overworked and often underappreciated. And they love that we take time out of our day to make their day a little bit brighter. I just feel so lucky to be part of something like that. I love that. What advice do you have for someone who's interested in becoming a therapy dog team? You've got to know your dog. I've seen a lot of people who get a dog or a puppy and they say, we're going to do therapy work without knowing who that dog is going to become and what that mm -hmm. dog is going to actually want or not yeah. want. So for example, I'm thinking about getting another dog and mm -hmm. I will talk with whatever breeder that I choose to use and let them know my goal is to do therapy work with the dog. Right. So I want a dog that's emotionally balanced, mm -hmm. that recovers from surprise easily. So if somebody drops a tray of medicine, the dog won't be ruined and have to go home immediately that they can startle, but then be like, oh, silly me. I know what that was. That was no big deal. Right. And that you may be disappointed that you may discover ultimately that this dog that you got on purpose for doing therapy may or may not actually be suited for that job. And right. they may not find joy in that. And so you then have to find a new hobby to do with that dog and shift right. your expectations. So I think my biggest piece of advice is to go in with an optimistic goal in mind, but mm -hmm. not to be attached to that because ultimately your dog is the one who has to decide if they enjoy the job yeah absolutely it's really great advice Thank you. I'm not surprised at all after having much experience with therapy dogs and with dog training of course yeah <laughs> your advice is going to be quite valuable well, Michelle, thank you so much for everything you've shared. Is there anything else that you wanted to share while you're here? Let me bend over and pick up Pippin so he can say okay. hi. This is Pippin. Hi, Pippin. He looks just <laughs> like his photos. He does. <laughs> oh, he does. he's sleepy. How old is Pippin? He's two years and eight months. Okay. Alright. Yeah. He's a young one. He is, but he's kind of an old soul, you know. Yeah. But he's my heart. Oh yeah, you sleepy. Oh, we're so sleepy. I woke you up. <laughs> I don't put him Such back there. Yawns. Here, and I'll show you somebody else too. I have a foster puppy. Aw, hi, friend. His name is Brody, and he has a broken jaw. Aww. And it doesn't stop him from trying to eat everything. But he's 11 weeks old. Oh, thank you very much. Aw, yeah. thank you for fostering so, him. Yeah, I'm sure he fun. loves it there. He does. He and Pippin are really good friends. It's adorable. That's really great. Yeah, it's I fun. Fostering is yeah. so important. It's good. You know, it's interesting because at his developmental stage, he's entering a fear period right now, mm -hmm. which is a very normal developmental stage in baby dogs. Yeah. But if people don't know that, they can, I don't want to say ruin their dog, but kind of. So last night I was getting my pajamas on and my husband had left a sock on the floor and the puppy was afraid of it. And it was so funny because you would just think it's a sock, right? And right. he started growling at it, barking at it. And it was so funny. But then I was like, oh, is this what's scary? And he's like, oh my gosh. So I put the sock away and gave him some snuggles. It was a good example of listening mm -hmm. and supporting him and giving him the comfort that he needed in that scary moment. Because if you keep at it, they don't just get used to it when they're in a fear period. It can kind of inform yeah. how they feel about things moving forward in the future. So if you get a dog that you hope will be a therapy dog as a puppy, the service dog that I raised had a phase where she was a 
afraid of fire hydrants. They look like little men, if you think about it, like little robot yeah. dudes, you know, with yeah. their arms out and a hat on. And so it's just kind of interesting to just assume that you shouldn't take anything for granted, that like everything's fine because it's not always. So yeah. you have to take it at the dog's pace. Yeah. And you know, we've actually talked before, fostering can also be another good way. If you know you really want a therapy dog and you are able to foster a dog, you can always fail when you find a good fit. That's true. Foster fails are amazing. <laughs> I have one of those. She's 13 and a half now. She's old and crotchety, but yeah, yeah, she would not have been a good therapy dog. But it is fun. You're right. It's kind of like try it before you buy it kind of situation. Right. And you're helping so many dogs in the meantime. It's not like you're just using them. So they, they need all. that extra help. So Well, I would so much rather see a dog in a home than in a kennel or at a shelter yeah. every day, right? So Yeah. It gives them a better chance at finding their forever home that way well, and, they're already and as, acclimated. Well, and as a foster family, I can give the new potential adopter so much information. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, he's going to get nervous when you turn on your coffee grinder. So put a right. towel around it until he's used to it. You know, yeah. little things like that. Like, oh, if you have a cat, watch out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which probably helps prevent so many returns of dogs to shelters because they know from the foster what to expect and they're going to know if it's a better fit for their lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. We know what they're like in the day to day. Yeah, for that. sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It was so nice thank to meet you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thanks for everybody for being here and keep up the good work. Be a therapy thank dog you. team if your dog likes it. It's so rewarding. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank Thank right. you so much. Have a great Thank day. You. Bye. Bye.